Okay. Well, hello, everyone. Um, we're going to get ready for our teaching for today. And um, the title for today's teaching is Our Healing is Past Tense. And, you know, I, I um, heard that phrase from our pastor before I even saw it in this um, little book I've been using to teach from the last couple times. And um, this is a healing rooms book. And um, a lot of the quotes and statements come from actually Cal Pierce. And um, this is just a section of one of the chapters. And, he's, and it, it's headed, Our Healing is Past Tense. So I have a couple interesting things that he has said that I'd like to share from today. And um, we're going to end talking about the connection between healing and communion. And, you know, where have we heard that? Yeah. At River of Life, right? <laughs> and I, I, one of the things I, I kind of chuckled when I was reading it is that, you know, sometimes um, the Lord speaks through different voices but he's saying the same thing and if he wants it heard he'll repeat it yeah. you know <laughs> so father we just bless you we thank you and we just honor you lord we honor you for your word you tell us that your word is truth lord and we thank you for the truth of your word that is able to quicken these mortal bodies um, and able to uh, change our thoughts, our hearts. You said that the word of God is um, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord God, that the, the word of your word of truth, Lord God, would just be um, the measuring line for us today as we talk about healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, it says here in your outline, um, your handout, it says the life of Jesus, and I saw, I didn't see this until I just read over it. It should say, it says out, it should be our. So the, the life of Jesus puts our healing in the past. Reverend Cal uh, Pierce states that this dispensational thinking is a hope-so um, kind of faith. How many of you can witness that, that if you, you pray for someone or they tell you they're praying for something, what do they say? I hope so, right? And that doesn't, that's not necessarily a negative thing. We need hope. We do need hope. But he says, he goes on to say, we need to have the no-so kind of faith. That we know, that we know, that we know, that what the word of God um, says is true. Where we're not looking for healing as something that's going to take place in the future. And he stands on um, two scriptures, which we all are familiar with. Uh, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And it talks about Jesus. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Old Testament reference. New Testament reference, 1 Peter 2.24. Again, speaking of Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed or are healed. Amen. God puts healing in the past tense in the atonement. That's the next fill in there on the cross. He put it in the past. Where have we heard that? What does Andrew Warmick say? We've already got it, right? And I just want to emphasize that today. We've already got it. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I can hear it, the teachings. I can read it. And I get the head knowledge. But it takes a little while for it sometimes to get in my heart, you know, where I really and truly believe it. But we already have it. It says he put it in the past. We've been trying to put it in the future. Healing, that's what he's referencing. Salvation and healing happened 2,000 years ago. I'm just going to pause there for a minute. It already happened. We already have it, right? We have applied this completed work to salvation, but not to healing. And the, the, I think the reason that he says that is because we still witness salvation today. But do you know there are multiple churches who call on the name of Jesus who do not believe in healing? They will tell you, no, healing is not for today. It ended. But that's not what the word says, right? <laughs> um, I believe we have come into a revelation that the provision for salvation and healing can impact people and they can be, begin to walk in it. You know, and I think more and more as I have been a part of healing rooms and I see people, not only that I read about in scripture that were healed, have heard other people's testimony, but bear witness of it even in our midst. People who were at death's door, believers prayed, stood on the word, as Pastor Kimberly said, decreed and declared the word, and we see them lifted up. Amen. We have two people we're going to pray for at the end of this teaching that need our prayer today, and anybody else that you might want to add to that. Um, so healing is not what to take. He says, it's, been, it's already been done. It's been done already. So healing is not what takes place in our body. It took place at the cross. Let that sink in. We're praying for healing, but healing took place, just like salvation took place at the cross. I've not always seen it that way. You know, and I was probably in the class of folks that still, I'm hoping, I'm believing for, but we already have it, right? And so we have to walk in it. Yes. 
I put example discussion. He talks about, in this little book, about a woman that came to a meeting that he was having, and she had been diagnosed with um, HIV. And um, they've come a long way in the research and medicine for people um, diagnosed with AIDS. I mean, I can't even, I mean, I can't even fathom the number of people like in Africa who have died from AIDS, you know, even in this country, right? And um, apparently she had, and I don't know exactly what this means, so if someone else has some knowledge about this, please share it. She had a 35,000 count or part HIV. That sounds like a lot to be <laughs> in her body. She came to this meeting or came to his church. She got born again. She got saved. She received that salvation that was purchased for her 2,000 years ago, right? And she began to hear the word. She began to specifically hear the word about healing. She was receiving prayer. And one day she said to herself, my healing, I don't have to wait for my healing. It's, I already have it. I just have to believe it. And this woman was completely healed of HIV, which they say is an incurable disease. If you listen to, if you watch television now, um, you see all the commercials that what they've done is they've been able to extend people's lives, you know, and they boast in it. You know, I have it, but I'm doing fine, especially the ones that are walking in sin, not like if you accidentally, you know, you got poked by a needle or whatever. Um, but she, her, her body was completely delivered from the HIV virus and AIDS. And it was just from hearing the word of God, believing the word of God. Amen. We've seen here in River of Life multiple, multiple people delivered. You know, different, um, one, of the, one of probably our more recent ones was a testimony we got, I think, last Wednesday night. A gentleman in the hospital in excruciating pain. Um, one of our ministers went to the hospital to pray with them. Um, I don't know, what day was that? Was that, it was on Wednesday, the Wednesday before. Last Wednesday, they were here, is that right? And he and his wife gave a testimony that what a CAT scan showed on one day, the next day, it was totally gone. Totally gone, right? I can testify, um, I think it was, March a year ago, right? I think it was March. Um, woke up in excruciating pain. Um, went, ended up uh, finally thinking, okay, I need to go to the ER because this is not, I'm not getting relief. I mean, I'm praying and other people are praying. I'm not getting relief, so I need to go get it checked out. I'm in the emergency room for um, several hours, still in excruciating pain. Um, I was given 
a medical dose of fentanyl. You know, that's a street drug that kills, but do you know there's a medical dose? It did nothing to my pain level. Absolutely nothing. Pastor Dave came. Brother Ronnie came. Pastor Kimberly was there. Deb was there. They, they're praying. And at one point, I was in so much pain and, and, and just called, crying out to the Lord. Um, I heard Ronnie, he went to the, the, the door, and he said, to, he says, y'all got to do something. She's hurting, you know. And um, at one point, I think Pastor Dave was on one side of me. Ronnie was on the other, and they were praying in the spirit. And I don't, I can't remember if Kimberly and, and Deb were still in the room or not. And all of a sudden, I start praying in the spirit with them. I don't know where that came from except for it was in my inner man, you know, my spirit man. I'm praying in the spirit. And Pastor Dave told me later, he said, I think the, whole, I think the Lord heard your groaning and moanings. So finally, they were able to give me something to relieve the pain. I was admitted in the hospital, and they said, um, you, you, could, you don't have to have surgery. There's a, a blockage. The next morning, they came in to do a CAT scan. There was nothing there. The pain was gone, nothing there. Totally healed. Haven't had it since. Amen? And it was the prayer of, the, of believers. And just, you know, I, I, you know I, don't, I can't explain to you how you can be in pain and pray in the spirit, but I can tell you it happened. <laughs> there were witnesses to it, and I don't know, I didn't think you need to pray in the spirit. I just started praying in the spirit. So I want to encourage you to do that. If, you know, you're dealing with something, just pray in the Holy Spirit because he says, the Bible says he, he takes our groanings and our moanings, words that we can't understand, and they go directly to the Father. You know, we're praying a perfect prayer at that point. Okay. All right. So then in this same chapter, um, Brother Pierce goes in, or Reverend Pierce goes into talking about the significance of healing in communion. And he says, communion is so powerful. It says, we, we, take it so what, we, we take it so that what Jesus provided on the cross comes to us. So we are not just remembering. You know, it says, you know, when we take this, we take it in remembrance of him. We're not only remembering, but we're receiving the full benefit of what Jesus provided. This is something, I've never heard this it taught this way, but he's, Reverend Pierce suggests that we, the church, have lacked to understand the understanding of healing in the atonement. And we take sickness sometimes into our bodies and cancel out the provision of God's healing by not properly discerning the Lord's body, you know? And I can remember years ago receiving a teaching about the importance of taking communion and the importance of discerning the Lord's body, but it didn't have to do with healing. And so I'd be interested to know if any of you have ever been taught in that area. What my understanding was is that I needed to know that across denominational lines, if you name the name of Jesus, you were a part of the body. So I couldn't say, so you know the scripture that says, the hand can't say to the foot, you know, because sometimes what happens with denominations, 
we separate ourselves when we're all part of the same body. So that's what I was taught was the proper discernment of the Lord's body. Or if I'm walking in offense, then I put myself in position of not being one with the body. That's, that's how I understood that scripture. I never understood it in terms of um, Jesus, because we said we, we take the bread, right? It represents his body that was broken for us, right? He took upon himself the curse. He took upon himself sin. He took upon himself disease. And I've, and I've heard t- teachings that every disease that is named, Jesus bear it in his body for us, right? And then we read already that s- the scripture in, um, in uh, was it First Peter? I think it was First Peter. Yeah, First Peter. And it says, by his stripes we were, we are healed, right? He took everything so that we could walk in healing. And then it says, we take the cup, the blood. His blood was shed, and he went to the mercy seat and presented his blood for our salvation. Those two go together. When we take communion, we're taking it to remember what he did for us and what he purchased for us in salvation, but also what he purchased for us for healing. So let that sit with you just a minute. How important that is. It's all, we, he already did it. The, the work's completed. All right. So I'm going to read this 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 31. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So he's saying that when we don't discern that when we partake of that bread, which represents Christ's body, if we're not in alignment with why he gave his body, why he took upon himself our sin and disease, then we, we are taking it unworthily. We, and so we cancel out what he did. I thought that was interesting. He says, but let a man uh, examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthily manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I'd never seen that in reference to communion. Some of you are frowning. I'd, I'd just like to get some feedback. What do you think about that? Afraid of? Yeah. Why afraid? Because I don't understand what unworthy means. I don't understand what, you know, because we still sin. Mm-hmm. And so when we sin, does it mean that's when we're unworthy? Or what, actually what you just said was kind of an eye-opener because, because I didn't know what that meant. Okay. So I'll, I'll, okay. All right. Afraid to... to Partake of communion. communion. Partake of communion. And do you think that's God's will for our life, to not partake of communion? Because he says, as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me, right? So the blood 
covers our sin. His blood, his shed blood covers our sin. And when we come into Christ, what does he say? We are new creations in Christ Jesus. You know, he took upon himself every curse, every sin, past, present, future. And, you know, I, I don't know, it, it ta- it, for some, it takes longer than others to wrap your head around that. How can you forgive me for past stuff? Well, it says that when we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. So even before I was a person, he had already died for my past sins. He dies for, he died for present sins. He dies for future sins. Well, we're in him now, and we're not perfect. In our soul, we're not, right? He's still perfecting that area in our life. And so we might miss it, but what does the word say? We have an advocate with the Father. We can go to him, and we can plead our case, and he's the best lawyer in town, you know? He's going to defend us, you know? It's sort of like when you have children, you're going to do whatever you can to protect them. And God does exceedingly abundantly above to protect us. His love for us, it's like we can't even fathom and interpret and understand and perceive his love for us you know but we have to believe it's getting past the mm -hmm, and just believing getting past the flesh yeah did you have something you want to share to say was close to what she just mentioned what's your first name lisa lisa i'm diane so i i set up a communion one day at my house i was gonna take communion and i'm like god i, I did this and i did this and all stuff was in my heart i really did not take communion because i was afraid to get sicker for this reason many are weak and sick among you because you're not discerning the lord's body so i felt like i had respect for my condition so I would not get worse or I was being disrespectful to to the Lord for, for taking it and not being in the 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 clean way. Okay. But now you've heard a message that says he purchased that for you, your healing, two thousand years ago. The provisions already been made. So you never have to be afraid of taking communion. Except what he's saying is when we don't appropriate that provision. The provision is healing. He's already provided it. But sometimes what happens is that we can get tripped up and think, well, I'm not healed. You know, what's, what's one we hear a lot? God's, puni- God's punishing you, and he does it through sickness. That's not the love and goodness of God, you know, So our minds, again, it's believing what he says is so. If we accept the salvation that he purchased 2,000 years ago, why can't we accept the healing? Because he got them both at the same time. I think Pastor Kimberly had something. Something, something Okay. Just to ponder. 
this is something interesting just to ponder about communion symbolically. Um, back in Exodus chapter 12, when Moses was leading out um, all of God's people, the Israelis out of Egypt, um, they were to put the blood over all of the doorposts and over sprinkle the blood of the lamb over all the doorposts and over all the windows. But then there were specific instructions to eat the lamb. So the lamb that they sacrificed, they had to eat it. And so every house had to eat some of that lamb. And so then the next day they made their journey. And the word of God says that there wasn't one feeble among them. And they had posted the blood over the door and they had eaten of the lamb, the lamb's body. And I, I find it interesting. I think sometimes when we look at communion, we discern the body of Jesus wrongly in that we don't understand that we're to eat the whole body of Jesus. Um, he was his sacrifice on the cross, the blood that he shed, but his physical body he shed. And I think that sometimes um, when we take communion, we really need to reflect on our relationship with Jesus, with the body of the Lord. What is our relationship with him? And so as we examine ourselves and understand that um, we're to eat of that body, we're to eat of the word of God, we're to eat of all that all the provision that God has given to us, we're to have that intimate relationship with him, I think it makes it easier for us to take communion, understanding that the, he'd already paid that price for us and that there wasn't one feeble among them. Amen. I was just going to say that um, <clears throat> I can't. The verses before this text here, uh, there were people that were coming into the ch into the church, and they looked at the uh, communion like it was a golden corral. You know, uh, they were just being gluttonous. They weren't honoring, you know, Christ's body, mm -hmm. you know, at all. Mm -hmm. They were just coming in and taking what they want. They were getting drunk. So this is what Paul is talking about. This is what I believe. He was talking about those people that were coming in and not honoring the body because of the way that they were just drinking and eating, you know, without there was no order there. And so he was just trying to give them instructions. This is the way this is supposed to be done. And I think also if you're born again, if you're truly born again, you take communion. Because mm -hmm. there's things you're going to do, sins of omission, things that we should do, we don't do. We don't know. So if you're born again, take communion. And just remind the Lord of his goodness and his provision for healing, you know, because he's already done it. We already have it. Um, it says communion is not just to remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We are to benefit from it. He would have us benefit not only from salvation, but also from his broken body. So healing would come to us. When we take what is represented in the cup, the blood of Jesus that was poured out for salvation into our bodies, it brings healing to our spirits. When we take the bread that represents his broken body, which took on the curse into, into us in a proper fashion, it brings healing to us. It's like taking medicine into your body on a conscious basis as often as we can.
Amen. And I just want to read um, one little section here to you. He says, um, when we have an improper understanding of what is represented in the bread, in the atonement, this is so um, powerful that we, we are cursed when we take it into ourselves. Like he's saying, and, and mind you, you have to judge this for yourself, but he's saying that when we don't understand the provision of God in communion, then we are not blessing ourselves. We're hurting ourselves because we're not in alignment with the Father. Um, Jesus took the curse for us. So when we, we have to remember that. And, and what came with the curse? Sickness and disease, right? But he's already taken that for us. Um, that's why um, we, we're in the condition we're in. He's talking about the church. Communion is not just, uh, okay, I read that already. When we, when we unworthily partake of what forgiveness by God represents in communion, we do not repent to him, then we are guilty of fraud and have cursed ourselves with a curse. You have, you have cursed yourself with a curse because you make what Jesus did on the cross of no effect. It's not the sacrament that saves you. It's the obedience. We have to we have to be careful to do. Excuse me. We have to be careful to do. Is excuse me. What we have to be careful to do is to judge ourselves in communion, with regard to sin, as a spiritual root of disease, and to bring forth repentance so that forgiveness, deliverance, and healing can be appropriated. This will bring forth, bring us forth, the full, the full benefit provided by the Lord's Supper. And then he goes on in this same little verse to say, it doesn't say we're going to get it. It says we already have it. That's absolute faith. That's knowing that 2,000 years ago, Jesus provided our healing on the cross, and it's God's will to heal us. We have to know that we know that we know that we know that. When we ask according to what, according to that, we will have our healing, and nothing can come against it. Then our confession will begin to be, I am the healed of the Lord. I was healed 2,000 years ago. Then we will begin to confess those things that are not as though they were. And the power of the atonement will impact the church, and we will begin to walk in a God kind of faith, not a hope-so faith, but a no-so faith. Amen. <clears throat> we will begin to walk in authority and to speak a word that will not go void. God will send through the mouth of the church an establishing word. It will be a word that will come through the power of our God, through his word, through his will. And we will literally see men and women begin to prophesy and speak the will of God 
and healing will take place without hands even being laid on them. Amen. <laughs> we will see this authority and power exemplified. The power of the atonement will begin to reveal who we are, the body of Christ. It will reveal what the power of the atonement has provided for the body and how that power needs to impact that body. It will take us into a new dimension. It will cause us to overcome what the enemy has done. It will cause the church to learn how to get over itself and to get into Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So know when you take communion, remember your healing as well as salvation. We already got it. And as people of healing rooms, when we pray for people, I remember one, one Tuesday I was praying with Pastor Tim, and afterwards, you know, we were just having a discussion, as we often do, and he said, um, I believe that when I lay hands on somebody, what I pray comes to pass. And it's not after he prays and when he says it, it's coming to pass when he's praying. And I thought, we, yeah, we need to be that way. When we are praying for people in healing rooms, we need to believe and know that God is moving right then and there on their circumstance, right? Whatever the need might be. So today, two names came to my attention. A gentleman by the name of Milton, um, and uh, he is diagnosed with cancer and spine cancer. He is scheduled for surgery today, and it had to be delayed until tomorrow because he needed to have a blood transfusion. So Ms. Nita asked us to pray for him. And our brother, um, Bill Morris, he had chemo yesterday, and um, he's um, struggling today, so we need to pray for him. Any other prayer request? today for healing for anyone, for yourself or anyone that you know that we can pray for today. For Deborah Scheid, for, for Deborah Scheid, for her neck and back. Anybody else? Okay. Heart issues. What's, it, what's his name? Pat. Bobby, you had somebody else? Okay, so if you didn't hear, for Charles Owens, he has heart issues, and I think what he said is that age prohibits him from having the surgery, so he needs a God surgery, right? <laughs> so just, you have someone to pray for you? Okay, all right. Thank you, Lord. Well, just pray with me. Um, at this point, we're all healing rooms, right? We're just going to lift these people before the Lord. 
And Father, we thank you for just your word, Lord God, and that your word is truth, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, that um, in the atonement, Lord God, in your sacrifice for our sins, Lord, our healing was also provided for. So, Lord, we come to lift up Milton to you, lift up our brother Bill, to lift up Deborah, to lift up Pat, and to lift up Mr. Charles Owens before you, Lord God. And, Father, we just thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, first of all, for your great mercy and your compassion for each of these, Lord God, that you love them. And, Lord, that you made provision for their healing over 2,000 years ago. And, Father, we just call upon that, those mercies now to be extended to them, Lord God, and manifest in their physical bodies, God, even today. Father, we thank you, and we stand on your word. And even as you said in this lesson through uh, Reverend Pierce, Lord, that this, the manifestation of healing in the earth is going to make the church a mouthpiece to the nations, Lord. They're going to hear and they're going to stand at attention. They're going to want this, this life and, and life-giving power that you have, Lord. So, Father, we thank you that where each of these people are, Lord God, let them be a testimony of your faithfulness, of your great mercy, of your compassion, Lord, and of your completed work. We ask for hearts to be healed, vows to be opened, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord God. We ask that the, the, the heart would pump, Lord God, the arteries would do what they were ordained to do before the foundation of the world, Lord God. We pray for the necks and the backs, Lord God. And Father, we curse that disease of cancer, Lord God, that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Father, we thank, the, thank you that you are the life giver. And Father, even cancer has to bow to you, Lord God. We rebuke it in Jesus' name, and we take authority, the authority that you've given us to pray in Jesus' name, Lord God. We take that authority, and we call cancer gone in Jesus' name. You cease and stop your work in these bodies in Jesus' name. We command a healing, and we release healing and health and wholeness to these bodies in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for your completed work, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you're opening our eyes to see. You're causing our hearts and our ears to believe you, Lord God. You said with man it's impossible, but with you all things are possible. So we choose to believe our great big daddy God, who's the God of possibilities. Do for us what we can't do for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.